Revelation. This week is week 13, the kingdom unsealed. So when you hear the phrase end times, what does that mean to you? Does it invoke maybe some anxiety, some feelings of reticence? Ooh, the end times. Is it something maybe you associate with headlines? Sometimes people think, oh, this is the coming of the Antichrist or evil is on the march. Does it cause it? It seems like it causes in many Christians a mindset that we need to hunker down and get ready for an onslaught of darkness. Now, if you're up to speed at all in our study on the book of Revelation, you know that Revelation is about the already, the right now, and the not yet. What if I told you at the end times is glorious and joyful, and it isn't not yet, it is right now. It is the right now part of the book of Revelation. Because see, the book of Revelation primarily is not about warnings. Although many people want to read it as if it is about warnings. It's not about warnings. It is about comfort. This is how the book of Revelation should be approached when you read it. Revelation is not about a preparation for some sort of tribulation, end times, apocalyptic scenario. Look, we know evil is already here, correct? But Revelation is more of a revealing of the fulfillment of the plan of God for redemption and the relentless, unstoppable expansion of his kingdom. Revelation explains this troubling, confusing mystery of our conflict between good and evil that nobody has ever really seemed to understand until this book was written. So with that in mind, let's look at our passage today. It's Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written, within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Well, these passages, when we read them in community, they're just stunning, aren't they? But there is some very interesting history when it comes to this passage. These scrolls and seals are very important. You know, in the ancient world, important covenants or contracts were written on scrolls just like this, and they would be rolled up and tied together and sealed with a personalized wax logo. For typical documents, the contract was written just on the smooth side of the papyrus since the outside was more coarse and rough and not really conducive to writing, especially small handwriting. It would have to be written if it was written on much bigger. But when a document was very special, when a document was very important, when it was critical, they would write a summary of the other parts of the document that are inside on the outside of the document. This summary would describe the contents including all the parties that are involved in the covenant or the contract and some of the benefits 
and it would also sometimes include dire warnings. The appearance, the appearance of the contract, one of these special contracts, would be, would be designed to really stand out artistically with beautiful calligraphy, decorative seals and ribbons. And more than one seal, multiple seals, would indicate an escalated importance and also indicate severe consequences if anybody unworthy tried to open or break the seals because it did not belong to them. And that's what we see here. We see this sealed scroll. This is the kind of scroll that we see John describing in Revelation chapter 5 with writing on the inside and the out. And the seven seals, it's sealed seven times, meaning it is the ultimate heavenly contract. And we'll learn later that this is actually the seal that contains the covenant of God with his chosen people, his plan for redemption and for the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. But you know, it's interesting, John isn't the first human to see or interact with this heavenly, unopened, sealed-up scroll. Again, we go back, to, as we have many times, to Isaiah and Ezekiel. Look what Ezekiel says about this scroll. When I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll was in it. Spread it out before me, it had writing on the front and the back, and there were written words on it. Words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And Isaiah interacted with this scroll. In Isaiah 29, the vision of all of this has become to you like the words of a scroll that is sealed. See that? When men give it to one who can read and says, read this. And he says, I cannot for it is sealed. Or when they give, it the, give the book or scroll to one who cannot read, saying, read this. He says, I cannot read. So you see this idea of a scroll sealed that nobody can read. You see how Ezekiel and Isaiah would be troubled by such an important scroll? Which could not be read except for, in Ezekiel's case, the only words he could read were the words of mourning and woe that were written on the outside of the document. And Daniel himself was troubled by this too. And by the way, I'm just going to give you a disclaimer. I have a lot of Old Testament verses today, maybe more than normal, because you just can't teach this without the Old Testament open right next to it. Look what Daniel says about this scroll in Daniel chapter 8, starting in 26 and 27. The vision that has been told is true. But Daniel, this is God talking to him, seal up the vision. For it refers to many days from now, not yet. And I, Daniel, was overcome and I lay sick for some days. And then I rose up and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. See how Daniel reacts to this scroll? These three men, along with John, as we read in our passage today, are distraught and troubled by this sealed-up scroll because they can't understand it. How is evil tolerated to be alongside of good? Because the outside of the scroll contains descriptions of lamentation and mourning and woe. But inside the scroll, which nobody at that time could open because the time is not yet, as God tells Daniel, that's the plan of redemption. And you can see these men are struggling. How can evil and suffering be allowed to flourish? Why does God allow it? We'll see this question asked over and over again in Revelation as we go forward. Evil is winning. None of this makes any sense. Why is the scroll sealed? Please, let us see what's inside. There must be something more. Somebody, please, open it. 
They cannot understand the plan of redemption in their time, but we can from this later. Let's look at the spiritual part of this passage, the theology. I want to talk about these seals being opened. I have a lot of scripture today, as I said, because you can't really understand this without going back to Daniel. So I'm going to read some passages from Daniel chapter 12. Look what God says to Daniel. There shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Hear what he says? There's a time of tribulation and also a time of deliverance side by side together. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the scroll. Wow. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake the resurrection. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There are some allusions to the covenant with Abraham. Your children shall be like the stars. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. What? Daniel, this is great stuff, but you can't talk about it. Until the time of the end, the end of times. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. You can see why I have to read that passage, right? Look at this one in Daniel 12, just a little bit further on, starting in verse 8. And I heard, but I did not understand. This is Daniel responding to what God just told him about the end times. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel. (laughs) Can you imagine? Just go on, Daniel, go about your business, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves pure and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Doesn't that sound like he who has ears to hear? Let him hear what the Spirit says. See, this this scroll, it contains God's covenant with his people. His plan of redemption from beginning to end. It contains all the plans God has for the kingdom of heaven, which we know Jesus taught began when? When he came. He said how many times the kingdom of heaven is now. It contains all the hopes and the promises for those who overcome, this scroll does. Hope for the already, the right now, and the not yet. And the outside does have these details of suffering and evil, but inside is something so much better that was not yet revealed to Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. We can clearly see what Daniel saw is a prophecy of how God would use the church in the world of evil about 600 years later. And the vision troubled Daniel so much because it was something he couldn't understand. And what was it he couldn't understand exactly? The kingdom of heaven being on this earth. He couldn't reconcile. Wait a minute. There's evil all over the place. And you're saying the kingdom of heaven and the world of evil coexist? He says, tell me what is going on. How does this happen? How does this take place? And God says, go your way, Daniel. Seal it up. Now is not the time for all of this to be revealed. You're going to have to wait. But why? Why does the kingdom of heaven have to wait? Why can't it be now? 
How long do we have to wait? Again, we will see this phrase later on in Revelation. This is also why John was full of sorrow. Because there was no one in heaven to open the redemption scroll. The covenant of God and his people hangs in the balance. And no one is worthy to open this covenant. And the whole plan of redemption comes to this moment in heaven where John is. And I would imagine John may have felt, and this is speculation on my part, but I imagine the, the woe that John felt in heaven probably was kind of the same emotions he probably felt when his Messiah, his rabbi Jesus died. Now who's worthy to open the scroll? Where is Messiah? He was going to restore the kingdom of David. We just need someone who is worthy to take the scroll and open it and fulfill its requirements for our redemption. And as with Daniel, the hopes for the plan of redemption, the kingdom of heaven, all of that just seemed so far off when Jesus died and his disciples are there. What do we do now? But then one of the 24 elders, and we shared with you a few weeks ago how those elders represent the redeemed. One of the 24 elders taps John on the shoulder. Hey, John, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and all of its seven seals. You know what these are? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These are descriptions, prophecies of Messiah from Genesis 49, which described him as the lion of Judah. And Isaiah 53, 7 said the lamb led to slaughter. And this slain lamb appears with seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits of God. We've already learned what the seven spirits of God represents, right? We've seen it two or three times in Revelation. It just represents the complete spirit and presence of God. And horns are always, throughout Scripture, a symbol of power and authority. And we know seven represents the number of completeness. So what the seven horns represent is complete authority. Ultimate power to open the seven seals. The seven eyes, we learned what eyes are last week, remember? About wisdom and knowledge and discernment. The seven eyes means complete wisdom, complete knowledge, complete understanding. And the seven spirits and the seven eyes and the seven horns are all the fullness of God. The one that looks like a lamb slain has all authority, that's the horns, has all knowledge, the eyes, and has the seven spirits, the presence of God, to take the scroll from the one on the throne, the Father, and open it. It is undeniable who this lamb that appears to be slain is, is it not? It is our Jesus. The one with all authority, yet at the same time, willing to lay his life down. The personal section, the devotional section, what are we supposed to do with this? It's just so beautiful. The fact is, evil cannot win. This was my sermon preview this week. When Jesus unsealed the kingdom of heaven... Evil was powerless to stop it. You know, I can understand why Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, and John were so distraught with this sealed up scroll. Until it's unsealed, the kingdom of God cannot arrive. It cannot start. But when the time was right, when the fullness of time had come, here comes our Jesus the lamb that was slain with all power and all authority and all wisdom and all knowledge. 
Jesus opens the seals and all those things that Daniel was frustrated by, that the scripture says he was appalled by, that he could not experience, that he could not understand, we now, as his church, have the benefit of all of them today, right now, in the end times. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ, the one who was worthy to open the scroll, as a plan for the fullness of time, look at this last part, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it still seems evil runs rampant. But the kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven is expanding and God is in the work of redeeming his chosen. The lion of Judah, the root of Jesse, the slain lamb of God with all wisdom and knowledge and authority approaches God on the throne and says, here, give me the scroll, the covenant, your full plan of redemption. I'll take it from here. I'll fulfill it. And in the fullness of time, I will unite heaven and earth into one kingdom. What a beautiful description of the end times. The fullness of his redemption and all of his plans, bringing heaven and earth together. He's uniting heaven and earth as he redeems those who what? Have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What we see here is we are in the midst of a kingdom that is advancing. You know, many, many Christians might interpret the end times as some sort of global political crisis. We're supposed to hunker down for it, prepare for it. But because this is a flawed understanding of revelation, the church begins to think that our job is to stop the advancement of evil. Fight evil. No, that is not our job. The opening of this scroll marks the moment the cross of Jesus changed everything. We need to learn what it means to live with the reality of the unstoppable kingdom of heaven that Jesus has unsealed for us. Since then, since the moment Jesus opened those seals, just as God told Daniel, people have been gaining knowledge through the gospel. And I believe if Christians can grasp what happened the moment that Jesus broke those seals, it will transform how we see this world, how we interact with it. It will change our priorities. And yes, listen, the outside of that scroll does describe suffering, but the inside promises the glorious ending. This is how to read, by the way, the rest of Revelation. It's not a warning about a dangerous future but a glorious promise of God uniting heaven and earth under the work of the lamb that was slain as his unsealed plan of redemption plays out right before our very eyes. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
This is a great description of the scroll with the lamentation and woe on the outside and redemption on the inside. Look what Paul describes, because this is after the seals have been broken, by the way. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. For it is for all of your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, see that similarity in the language? People, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Those things which Daniel saw, but was told to seal up, Jesus is right now fulfilling. Yes, even today in a world full of evil. Do you see what Paul says in Ephesians and 2 Corinthians? It is the fulfillment of what God told Daniel to seal up. And yes, we certainly experience what's on the outside of that scroll. There is mourning, there is sorrow, there is pain in this life. For some, it's the death of a precious loved one. Maybe it's a bad medical diagnosis or the death of your dreams for this life on earth. For some, it's the death of a relationship, a broken heart. For some, it's unbearable shame and guilt from your own sin and failures. We have all experienced these moments of lamentation and suffering and woe in this life when it seems that evil is continually advancing and winning. Yes, the tribulation is here. John said in chapter 1, I am partners with you in the tribulation. It's not something far off. It is right now. But this tribulation is side by side with the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom is winning. Yes, evil still roams the earth, but it is powerless to deter the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. Revelation teaches us the end times isn't our fight against evil. Stop. It is the unstoppable advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And if you are a child of God who has ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, we are part of that advancement. As more and more people increase in knowledge of the unsealed kingdom of God. Today, maybe you can also relate to the joyful moment when someone, like when one of the elders tapped John on the shoulder and said, hey, don't worry, there is one worthy to redeem you. And maybe that person pointed you to Jesus, the lamb who appears slain with all power and all authority, and they brought you into the unsealed kingdom of heaven. The moment you recognize, even in the depths of your despair, the Lamb of God is worthy to open the scroll of redemption. The moment the Spirit of God came through just in time to open the seal of God's covenant and let you in. The moment Jesus united you here in the end times with the unstoppable kingdom of heaven. The moment you began to live under the authority of the Lamb who has opened the seals of that scroll. Back to Revelation chapter 1. This is important. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. <laughs> Can you see, or at least maybe are you starting to see, how we should be reading Revelation? It's not a warning. It's an inspiration. 
It's a blessing. It's hope. Yes, life is hard. Yes, we face despair. But the one who is worthy has opened the scroll and the kingdom of heaven is right now. This is the end of times. The ever-expanding kingdom of God. And as a church, we aren't supposed to be hunkering down for a battle. We are on the move. And even if it may not feel like it sometimes, here's what we know. Evil's days on this earth are numbered. It is on the run. And we are part of the right now. The end of times, the kingdom of heaven, which is advancing. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that there was one who was worthy to open the scroll. One with all power and all wisdom and knowledge, but also one who was willing to lay down his life. Jesus, thank you, Lamb of God. And as we live in the time of the end, as your kingdom is advancing, we confess to you that many times we can get very distracted by the evil. But Lord, when we do, remind us to turn to Revelation chapter 5. And read once again aloud the words of this prophecy so that we can be blessed. And lastly, Father, when we gather here on Sunday morning, we're so thankful that you open up a door to heaven so that we can experience the right now, even as we speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Revelation's great, isn't it? We'll see you guys next week for some really cool stuff. Have a great week.